Morning, everyone. How are you doing? Good stuff. Gee, you're the real deal. It's an amazing day out there, and yet you're still here. That's a, you mean business. That's awesome. Hey, um, I heard uh, Graham and Sean's 27-year-old microwave finally gave up the ghost this week. Is that right? 27 years? So sad. Wow. Anyway, Kristen was talking about appliances and so forth that we need, but... um. Anyway, you did well. You did well. Uh, welcome to church. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, I'm going to share with you a few thoughts. Um, and at the end of the service, we also have a prayer team. If you come and you need uh, healing, you don't want someone to stand with you in prayer, don't, we're not sure what, maybe what you're facing, but we've got a great team that at the end of the service, they'll be praying. and We've got some, some people that are specifically love praying for people's healing and their health. So uh, we'll have a moment for that at the end of service, which is all good. Now, I've got three titles this morning, and so you can just take your pick, whichever one you like most. Um, usually, it's just, uh, my only goal with a title is so that it sort of sticks in your, in your mind, so um, you can discard it if you like, but if it helps, remem- helps you remember it, then um, that's what it's there for. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for creating us, Lord, breathing your, your life into us, and uh, we are just grateful for the time and space that we have here on planet Earth. Help us, Lord, to live uh, according to your purpose. Help us to be more conscious uh, of others and, uh, and also in uh, honouring you with our lives. So we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the truth of your word. Uh, we pray that we all are open to your leading this morning, and we thank you for this amazing day right here in Noosa, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, three titles. First one, go hard and go home. I'll explain. Or uh, restraint. Or how family works. How family works, which is the kingdom of God. See, we use a lot of terms in here, which are great. They're church terms or Bible terms like the kingdom of God. But often if we get kind of a, a Bible term, we just then park it on the shelf we pull it out when we come to church to use it, then we put it back on the shelf and carry on with our life. Um, and we do that to our own uh, hurt. And so the kingdom of God, which sounds really godly, which it is, but it actually there's a lot more to do with family life and how family works in the kingdom of God than we realise. Um, and it's also, I thought, uh, that word restraint has come out because I was reading a scripture and it's in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, And it says this, Where there is no revelation or prophetic vision, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. So where there's no revelation, where there's no vision, uh, people actually cast off restraint. We cast off restraint. Who knows that when you've got no picture of what we're going for, then we realise we descend into a place where nothing matters. You know what I mean? It's like the, the person with the goal, they're working towards something and then you're like, oh, do you want to do something? It's very hard to distract someone when they've got a vision, maybe a picture of, of where they're going. And I, I want to uh, pose this morning that that's not just a vision of success. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, let's go down the pokies. No, I've got a bigger vision for my money or something like that. But it's actually a vision of how family works and a vision of how the kingdom of God works. So my vision, the vision for my life 
Um, you know, I, I get the success. That's fantastic. Good on you. That's fun. But that's pretty empty if that's all it is. And if you lose, if you jettison from your life some of the other things like family and friends and health. And who knows that if you're too uh, finite in your vision, if you're just like, oh, it's all about health. I will never put anything in this carcass that is not, you know, honouring, whatever. Um, and then, but who knows, something else will tag you out. Like whatever you're deficient in, that seems to be your biggest vision, your biggest need. You know what I mean? If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're broke, then it's, you just need, you're trying to get money everywhere. You're just looking, you're scouring Every, everywhere for money, the job sites, family members, you know, uh, purses that get left on, ch- on, on the seats here in church after church or someone else's worship. I mean, you know, if that's your lens, then you see it everywhere. If, uh, if you've got everything else and then suddenly there's something that affects your health, then suddenly that's all that's important. Um, or if you've got no one to share life with, you might have everything else. You might have time and health and space and money and whatever else, but you're like, I'm lonely. And so... There needs to be a bigger vision than just the success kind of vision. You know what I'm saying? And that's the kingdom of God. Um, and God's vision for your life isn't just that you succeed. That's part of it. But that's a, that's a no-brainer when you actually live life with God. So for me, the biggest vision for my life, if I close my eyes and picture me at 80 or 90 or 100, the biggest vision, it's not living in some uh, mansion necessarily. That'd be fine. That'd be fun. But not, not by myself. The biggest vision for my life is that I'm actually still enjoying my family. I'm still praising God. Like the biggest vision is that, is that I didn't get hacked off with life. You know what I mean? My biggest vision is that him and I are still good. I mean, I know he's always good, but I'm still good with him. You know, like as in, hey, I still love you. You're not, my, you're not why I'm boring. You're not why I'm broke. You're not why I'm miserable. Uh, you're not my excuse for why life didn't work. You know, I mean, still actually praising God. Biggest vision for my life is that my family, we still actually get to praise God together. You know, and, and that sound, might, might sound really fickle, but who knows how hard that is long term. <laughs> Keep a family yourself still enjoying God, not enduring Him, not tolerating Him, not, you know, but enjoying God. And also that your family together, you can actually enjoy God together. Who knows over the long term, that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. And that's the biggest vision for my life, that I'm still praising God, that my, my, I still love my family, and that my family still love me. And that's it. How good is that? You know what I mean? And that keeps me on track. When I get disappointed with someone, or get disappointed with an organisation, or get disappointed with myself, or I'm not sure about what exactly, how that went down, that, keeps, that, that tempers even my, my conversations with God. I don't chime in first with, oh, it's your fault. Prove to me that it's not. You know, God's not guilty until proven innocent, you know. He's, it, it, it keeps me like, okay, Lord, something went down. I'm hurt. What happened? You know. And I want to encourage you today that without a vision, without a prophetic vision, without a revelation, you're going to cast off restraint. And suddenly you're going to realise that it doesn't matter. And then you're going to, you're going to get, we're all, we would all get into more pain, more damage, and it'll take us off track. And so that's why without a vision, we cast off restraint. But with a vision, we can have restraint. You see, so if I've got something that I'm, I'm looking forward to, so to me, I've just shared with you, you know, where, where I'm aiming later on in life. Well, then, then I've got restraint. Then it helps me to stop doing other things. Not as like this rule book of like... <laughs> Don't do that and do this and don't do that. And, ah, it's not really restrictive. It's actually freedom within that. And that's what I want to encourage today, that that word restraint, 
when you've got vision, restraint isn't, isn't clipping your wings. God isn't trying to cut off your fun. He's not trying to suck all the life and the colour and the flavour out of you. You know what I mean? That's, not, that's, not, that's the other guy. <laughs> the restraint is to keep promoting you into the right realm. Who knows, with children, we think, you know, some people are like, oh, they don't, have, don't need any rules. But who knows, if, you, if you're with your child and you're out into the wilderness, they'll actually come closer to you and hold on to your leg. But if you've got a backyard, if there's a few boundaries, they can actually go to, go to town within those, just, just a few guidelines, then they're f- totally free within that realm. Not from implying rules upon them, but literally inherently. It's just like, I just need a few safeties and then, woo, and then they can go bananas, you know. But with no restraint, it actually, it actually um, freezes them. And it freezes us too. If I said you can go out there and do whatever you like, awesome. <laughs> it's, not, it's not actually inspirational, I don't find. Anyway. And hence my first title, Go Hard and Go Home. See, the world is all this or thing, you know what I mean? And it's like, you've got to do this or else. Well, and I reckon that the drama is, is, and we've tried to encourage people to like, go hard, live adventurous, be a legend, or... You can go home. And yet, the restraint is go hard, pr- produce, um, you know, be diligent, uh, you know, have adventure. And that's not the full stop and then it's all great out there but home's boring. It's go hard and then go home. Blokes, produce but then bring it home. If you're trying to celebrate what you go hard on out there, then that's where things come unglued. And the kingdom of God isn't... You need to turn your back on God to actually have some fun or to fulfill your destiny. You know what I mean? It's not like, see you, God, I'm out of here. It's actually go hard and go home. It's actually, you can, you can achieve, you can, uh, you can travel the world, you can do all these kinds of things, learn new industries and fields, and then go home and celebrate it at home. And that's what God, without God, we forget that. We have an adventure, then we think it's us, and we think we're legends, and then we never go home. And then everything else disintegrates. And then we lose the vision for our, the long-term vision of our life, which is still praising God. See, it's nice, it's easy to sound like, oh, God, I give you everything, when you've got nothing. You know what I mean? Or, or you, you know, you're young. You don't even feel your body yet. You don't even know you've got a body, some of you young people. Like, it works. You wake up, you have adventures, you go to sleep, you wake up, and your body does not remind you about those crazy adventures you had the day before. Yeah, as, as the years progress, we think we're doing all right. The next day, oh, well, it just reminds you, you know, of what happened yesterday. You're not even aware of your body. It will say hello to you later on in life. So I want to encourage us, in the, and I guess our banner scripture for the year, that those that know their God will be strong and do great exploits. I'm just, talk, I'm just saying that in another way today. It's not about going, just being a legend, going and, ex, and doing great exploits and then giving God the token, you know what I mean, at the, at the Grammys or the whatever. It's, it's actually knowing God and those that do will be strong and they'll do great exploits. It's, a, it's go hard and go home. <sighs> Kind of how I pictured it in my mind. It was going to go over. 
thought it was a better point when I was thinking about it than... Anyway, all good. So Proverbs 29, 11, just before then, it says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. You know, in this, in this age that we live in, I can do whatever I like, I can say whatever I like. You can. just doesn't mean it's void of consequences. You know, it, it, you can do it. It just means you're a fool. <laughs> you still do it. But there's an and. And I find more in the kingdom of God, there's always this and. And us as humans try and do the or. We're like, you better do this, or you can't do that. Oh. And God's actually a bit more of a yes guy. He's like, yeah. Yep. That's fine. And, and um, I just want to explore a couple of those today. But a lot depends on our, the lens of our life and how we see things. If we see God as this restrictive, kind of cloistered meaning, and that's why I, I mentioned as well that this is how f- the kingdom of God is how family works. If we don't understand, if we don't have a picture um, of a good picture of family, then we will not understand the kingdom of God. And if we don't understand the kingdom of God, we're not going to understand family. We're only going to have our our human representation of family, which may discourage us, which may may not work for us. You know, you might have you've obviously we've all grown up in family situations that are human, so we need to be visionary and going, okay, God, what, is, what do you mean by that? But it, some people try and understand the kingdom of God without family, without a concept of family. It's just all royalty. It's all rules. Oh, the king said this. Uh, but as I mentioned the other week about how there's the kingdom of God, it's actually, there's family in that, you know, like Prince Harry. I mean, there's, there's pomp and ceremony. But then when they're kicking back at home, you know, in the lounge room with Queen Elizabeth, it's still Nana. You know, and we, as, as believers, we haven't really worked those two realms well. We're not used to having a, being part of a royal family. We're being part of a feral family. <laughs> or a disconnect and then royalties up there. And there's moments in life when there's a little bit of ceremony when we come together. There's a bit of order. But it's not always that case. And even with God, it's not always that case. You know, sometimes he actually wants to have more fun with, with you than, than maybe you've been letting him. You know, I mean, sometimes when my kids come home, maybe every now and then it would be nice if they went, Lord, Father, you know, <laughs> what thou would want for us. Um, but not every time, you know, just once every now and then. Hey? But most of the time, I kind of want them to act. The richness is in the relationship. And my, the vision for my life that holds me on track is actually one of relationship. I don't want, I want to be old and joyous and have a ton of mates and have a ton of family around me. You know, and when you realise how the richness of life, the richness of royalty is in the people, is in the people in your life, and it's not in the things. The things are great. But again, part of things in the kingdom of God, in, in the royal family of God, is the things come, you use them, they're applied to purpose, and then you need more. You know, it's not that we, the end goal isn't that we don't need God anymore. You know what I mean? That he gets us so healthy and prosperous that then we don't need him. The end goal is still always pursuing and nourishing the relationship. If you're just thinking about the kingdom of God without it being a a family, a royal family of God, then you're going to miss out on a lot, a lot of what God has for you.
Luke 11, verse 1. And we see this in Jesus. And for me, when I sort of started to look through this lens, I started to see it everywhere of how Jesus behaved with people and with God. Luke 11, verse 1 says this. And in my Bible, it said it was the model prayer. It says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I may have mentioned this before, but to me, the whole how you see things and how you see scripture just changes your perception of God. You know, I was talking with, uh, he's a clinical psychologist the other week, Dr. Robbie Sonderager, and he said there's, there's research that it's not just people that believe in God that really have any benefit in life, or even necessarily just people that go to church, but actually where they see the positivity the attitudinal change in people is when they believe in a God who loves them. That's a big dividing line. They're not just kind of coming, oh, hey, sorry. But they're actually coming, like they, they, as they gather, and then their beliefs are actually about a God that actually loves them. I thought, wow, there's the joy there. You know what I mean? The, return to us, the joy of our salvation. And I see that there, that Jesus, he always interacted with God as his father, but also brokered the, the kingdom of God here on earth. He still respected people. It wasn't like, well, I'm part of God's family. You're not too bad. You know what I mean? He was, he was with people and he honored God, but he wasn't disconnected from God. He was still with God. And uh, there's later on in... John, let's go to John 11. John 11, 41 and 44. And this is how, how family works in the kingdom of God. And it's talking about Jesus and it said this, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I know that you will always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now Jesus, uh, now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. How cool is that, that Jesus, it wasn't a ceremonial prayer, it was a, it was a, a kingdom of God and he's part of the royal family prayer. It's, it's, it's how family works and it's how the kingdom of God and the miraculous resurrection power of God worked, all in that same moment. And he's like, Father, I'm saying this out loud so that they hear me. I know you always hear me. We're all good. You know what I mean? It's not the first time we've talked in six months. But I'm saying this out loud as a prayer so they understand what's going on here. Lazarus, come forth. I'm like, oh, imagine if we walk with God that way. You know what I mean? That it wasn't just for other people's sake, but it wasn't also without other people's sake. It wasn't just us sitting at home saying, oh, me, and good, me and God are good, you know, and just reading my Bible, but I don't have to affect this world. It's not, it doesn't stop there, but it's also not 
uh, public for the sake of being fake. I love the connection here. Where he's like, hey, God, Father, I know you hear me, and you always do. But for their sake, let's pray it out loud this way. Bam, and a miracle happened. Wow, I love that. Go hard and go home. The restraint of actually having an amazing vision of what God has for your future. And really, all the rest is just toys. The biggest thing he has for your future is relationship. If you want to question me on that, what's the biggest pain in your life? It's a disconnection from relationship. This is how family works. And that's why I'm saying that, go hard and go home. Stop trying to separate, you know, so much of our life, like there's the God stuff and then there's the normal stuff, or weird dirt and he's holy. Uh, He is, but he also calls us his, his children. And sometimes we need a shower, but we're still part of the family. And so I think there's some powerful ands that I just wanted to tackle today. Um... How family works, the kingdom of God. We can go to the next thing. How family works, the kingdom of God. So in the kingdom of God, which is in basically the the kingdom of family, the family, right, of God, which you're part of and I'm a part of. It's not either or, it's and. So there are rules, right, but there's also forgiveness. Again, in your household and mine, there are rules. I I would hope my kids can obey the rules, like stay within the rules. Um, But there's also forgiveness, They're not shunned because they took the extra cookie that was earmarked for my supper after dinner. You know, even if no one owns up to wherever the chocolate went, it's still forgiveness, you know. There's personal responsibility and there's grace. You know, some people are, oh, it's just grace, nothing matters. God, just do it all. But then other people are like, it's just all laws. Like, you have to obey everything. But who knows, you'll never please God, you'll never please yourself or your parent by just obeying all the rules. Um, but you also, and then there's time for grace where the things that you don't deserve, you get. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's so much more. Um, there's, but there's also personal responsibility. It's not just God's grace and then we, we all lay at home, stay on the dole, don't even get out from under the doona. You know what I mean? But there's grace that sometimes in moments, man, we need to, where there's grace, we need to have things that we... we uh, we don't deserve or we can't get to ourselves. Um, there's sowing and reaping in a good sense and a bad sense, but there's also mercy. We call on God's mercy that we don't get everything that we do deserve for all the dumb things that we've done. And there's both in there. There's an and. There's diligence and there's faith. There's faith that the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen by it, the elders obtained a good report. It's like believing that maybe it might not be obvious that there's substance there, but the heavenly substance of God, his promise is coming to pass. And so you can step out in faith, but it's not, well, God will just provide it all and pay for it all. And again, that, that I don't have to be diligent. I can still be diligent with my life and steward my time and energy and, and everything, the resource that I have. Tolerance and consequence. You see, political correctness, it just goes tolerance, but it, 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 it refuses a consequence. You say, well, you have to be tolerant, let everyone just do whatever they like. Yeah, we can. That's fine. It doesn't mean there's not a consequence to that decision. And in family life, we're like this. All right, you can do that. But you may miss out on something, or there may be pain associated with that decision. But as, as believers and children of God, we're not just all consequent. We're not just yelling from the rooftops consequence. 
That'll hurt you. That'll cost you. That's wrong. Stop. You're speeding. Like, that, you, you'll, you'll get no friends living that way. But it doesn't mean that we're just like, oh, we can't have a stance on anything. You know what I mean? The, the political correctness I find really interesting. Just some thoughts that I put down about it. They're not a definition per se, but that the political correctness is the coercive public celebration of a behaviour or ideal without being to articulate the downside perspective or consequences of that behaviour and with the actual threat of social vilification and economic exclusion. You know what I mean? (laughs) Maybe not. You know what I mean? It's like we have to, you're forced to celebrate something that you may not actually even live by. Oh, but it's great. Do you do it? No, but it's great. (laughs) And if you don't say it's great, then no one will frequent your shop or airline or whatever. And yet we're like, oh, you can do whatever you like, but it doesn't mean that there can be consequences. You can miss out on some of God's best for your life if if you choose that way. Fuel and personality. Um, These are some of the ands in in the family and in the kingdom of God and how life lives out. It's not all fuel. It's not all in the digits. You know, it's not just in getting the dollars to pay the the phone bill and the, uh, the rates and, all, and enough food and all that kind of stuff, if you're clicking all the boxes. But who knows, there's still some personality needed. I don't just need protein. I need my wife's home cooking. Amen? Or my microwave cooking. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like, as in, there's personality in, in, in survival in your life. You don't want to just get your kids through school. You want them to thrive. You don't want them to just obey the rules. You want their personality, their creativity to flourish. Um, but at the same time, there's a few boxes to check along the way. It, don't, it doesn't mean they can just be an artist and yet they, again, fail at everything else in life. There's contribution and redemption. That God has redeemed us, brought us back, paid the price for our sins. But again, there's a response that we go, wow, that, that should make me go, I actually want to help other people then because I've received that redemption in such a great way that I need an extraordinary response to prove, to, to acknowledge God's grace in my life. And honesty and privacy. So the world, again, without God, we, we lean on one or we, get, we micromanage on one term. <clears throat> and so some people are like, well... Um, Honesty, you have to be honest, you have to be transparent in, in society. They're all like, you need total transparency. You need to tell everyone everything. You need to tell the ATO everything, down to every single cent. And I'm like, what? You really want to know if I gave my mate 10 bucks? Like, really? <laughs> or if I, I shouted him a drink, or if I grow a carrot, really? You want 17.5% of my, of my carrot? Like, as in, it just doesn't even make any sense. But if we haven't thought this through, it's the same with privacy. There's some people say... Um, we need to get better with words. We just do. Because otherwise, you know, the government's like, you need to tell us everything. I'm like, well, you don't need to know everything about me. You know what's underneath these clothes, but, the, but that doesn't mean you need to see it. Like, you don't need total disclosure. There's a thing called privacy, right, in your life, and it's a godly aspect. The world's freaking out about all this data jazz, you know. Why? Because privacy is a godly thing in life. Certain aspects of your life that are private, I have no business 
in knowing. I have no desire to know. And it doesn't mean you're breaking the law. It's private. It doesn't mean it's secret. We all know. But it's private. And so, but other, without God, we get, we get bullied into trying to be honest about everything. I don't need to know every detail about your life. I want to respect your privacy. Anyway, there's just a lot of things about life that God, in living as a family of God, that you'll understand as you walk with him. And he'll, he'll speak to us, each one of us, about the aspects of our life where, you know what I mean? He'll delineate between the and and the all. Sometimes we're like, well, I have to either do that or I have to, to be myself, I have to turn my back on God. And it's like, no, 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 he won't say that. He'll say, follow God, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things will be added to you. And I want to encourage you today to actually bring some of the, the kingdom of God into your own family dynamics rather than saying family is something without God and then God is something different to that. And that's where even in our pursuit of success and happiness and all these kinds of things, that our ultimate vision should be one that includes God as our father. My, my biggest goal for my, my kids isn't just that they get enough food and that they, they succeed and get some kind of uni degree or something, but is it that they continue to actually not even just pursue rules, but to actually know who their creator is and to live vitally with him. And that excites me. Yeah, I want to see him progress in life, but that excites me more than a lot of other things. And you know, your heavenly father, that excites him too about you. That yeah, he wants you to do well, but he also wants to be involved. He doesn't want you to just succeed without him. So, uh, you know, we, we see a pro, um, analogies about that in scripture, like in the prodigal son. But the son's like, I want to I do it all and be a legend in my own right. And the da- it just breaks the dad's heart that he's like, mate, I, I, I respect, you, you know, you're your own guy, I get that. But just don't cut us out. You know, he comes back home, man, I love you, man. Straight, the first, first thing, put the barbie on, arms around each other. So family, the relationships. And as, as believers, when we're walking our life and when we're talking to other people uh, in our jobs, in, in society... Let's be, let's be better at celebrating the person of who they are, understanding that they're, they're made in God's image, but also let's not compromise all, about all, of, all of ourselves in that journey. I want to finish with one last scripture. You know, so much of scripture is actually a dad sorting out his kids. You know what I mean? Like, we, we think it's God and the universe, but if you, if you see it through a lens of a family dynamic going on, you know, sometimes it's literally... He's just trying to separate some of his kids so they stop fighting for a while, so they literally don't kill each other. Do you know what I mean? I want to share with you, actually, in, in, uh, it's not on, it won't be on the screen, but in Deuteronomy 19, I think this is such a great heart of God. It's just like, oh my goodness, my kids are going crazy. Deuteronomy 19 says this, and it's, it's literally, I'll explain it before I say it. They're, they're conquering new lands, the Israelites, and, and God says this, All right, so while you're you're increasing, have three towns that you can run to if you accidentally kill someone so that if you accidentally kill someone, their family, who is literally going to try and kill you out of revenge, um, but you're innocent, like you didn't actually mean it. You're not a bad guy. You're not malicious. So what we're going to structure out of that is a couple of towns where you can actually run to and hide so that the, the family of the guy that you killed won't come back and kill you. 
is that not kids in the, in the, in the bedrooms? You know what I mean? Like, just, you go to your room. You go, it's his fault. It's his fault. Look, just chill out. You're all emotional. We'll work it out. But let's try not to kill everyone in the meantime. It says this in Deuteronomy 19. It says this, After the Lord your God has destroyed the people whose land he has given you, and after you have taken their cities and houses and settled there, divide the territory into three parts, each with a city that can easily be reached. Then any of you that kill will be able to escape to one of them for protection. If you accidentally kill someone who is not your enemy, you may escape to any of these cities and be safe. For example, if two of you go into the forest together to cut wood, and if one of you is chopping down a tree and the axe head comes off the handle and kills the other, and you can run to one of these three cities and be safe. If there were only one city, the distance to it might be too great, and the relative who is responsible for taking revenge for the killing might catch you and angrily kill an innocent person. After all, it was by accident that you killed someone who was not your enemy. This is why I order you to set aside three cities. When the Lord your God enlarges your territory, as he told your ancestors he would, see, success, prosperity, and it gives you all the land he has promised, then you are to select three more cities. He will give you this land if you do everything that I command you today, and if you love the Lord your God and live according to his teachings, do this so that innocent people will not die and so that you will not be guilty of putting them to death in the land that the Lord is giving you. But suppose you deliberately murder your enemy in cold blood and then escape to one of these cities for protection, in that case, the leaders of your own town are to send for you and hand you over to the relative responsible for taking revenge for the murder so that you may be put to death. No mercy will be shown to you. Israel must rid itself of murderers so that all will go well. I think that's hilarious that that's in Scripture. (laughs) I mean, does that sound like your household? (laughs) Like, seriously, there's this, and then stop that, and then if someone makes a mistake, then we need to put that in place, but then we're going to move forward, and then that's going to change. And then, by the way, if you try and abuse the law and abuse the grace, then there is consequence still for that. And at the same time, seriously, guys, we're trying to see you succeed and move forward. <laughs> and it finishes this, 2 Corinthians 4. It says this, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, 
that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. I loved what Matt Leake shared earlier. Again, the life of God flooding, flooding through our response to it. And there's a walk that is in Christ. But I tell you what, God's grace is so huge. And today I just wanted to do a little bit of weeding, uh, a little bit of nudging through and joining some of the aspects of our life that maybe we'd kept separated. Because God wants in on your life. He's not upset, uh, but he just loves to be more in your conversations, more in, your, more in the vision of your future. Uh, allow him to speak into aspects of your life that you've kept separate. And, uh, and I think he wants to get a lot more joy walking that life with you. Can I pray for you this morning? Is that all right? God, I thank you so much, Lord. The people, Lord, here, your precious sons and daughters. God, we are all trying to do our best learning in this sandpit called earth. How to know you, how to get on with each other. And Lord, I pray that you help us every step of the way. God, I thank you for hearts that are here this morning. They may have talked to you recently, maybe they haven't. And maybe this week, it's just a, a time just to, just to start talking back to God. Just to start praying again. Maybe open their Bible again. Father, for all of us, Lord, I thank you that this be a week full of you showing yourself strong in your, in your character, Lord, and who you are and your plans for our life. Father, I know that you love, you love your sons and daughters. You love people. And God, help us, Lord, to share that love, to shine that love, and to receive that love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Kristen. We'll give that. <laughs>